Can I just add my welcome to you if you're new to Gateway? I'm Colin. I have the privilege of leading the team here at Gateway. I am going to crack on because we don't have long, and I really just want to wrap up this morning by giving us a few moments to pray and respond um, to Jesus. I, I'm excited about this journey that God is taking us on of pursuing his kingdom with greater intention, and it's not that it's a new thing. Suddenly, there's this thing called the kingdom we've discovered, but we feel like God has cut in on us as a team and us as a church and said, I want you to be those who understand my purpose through you, my church, is that you might be those who release my kingdom in whatever sphere of life you're in. Literally, wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever your influence is, Whatever you're doing tomorrow, God's plan and purpose for you is that his kingdom will come through you and be, that you would be salt and light and you would understand that wherever you find yourself, God's intention with you is that you would be um, a conduit of his kingdom, if you like. A means for the world to be blessed. And so, isn't it? We should be excited. It really isn't just a litter picking issue, by the way. It's about demonstrating the kingdom. That we care about the school, We care about our community, we care about the environment, that we care enough that we get down on our hands and knees or with litter pickers, whatever, and we serve our community. It's a demonstration of God's kingdom. And I am really excited about this journey. We feel like God has caught our attention big time on this. It's going to be costly and hard and a journey of learning and making mistakes and having a go and all of those great things. And so this morning, I really want to... um, just provoke our thinking for a few moments. And I believe that we're to start with just a foundational truth. If we're going to see this kingdom of God come in increasing measure, which we should expect, then there's a couple of things that really are key for us in terms of our understanding and our expectation. You remember that over the last couple of weeks, Nigel was talking about um, John the Baptist and and that that question around expectation. What were you expecting when you became a follower of Jesus? So I place my encounter, this good, this good news of the gospel. I hear about Jesus who has the power to save and forgive and to rescue from sin and death and give life. And I receive him. I put my trust in him as Lord and Savior. And many of us make that step, that journey, that step of faith, if you like, through the door of faith. And I can say, wow, he's amazing. That's incredible that God would forgive me my sin. Whatever it is that he's able to forgive my sin, that it's dealt with at the cross, that before God that sin is done, dusted, it's it's gone. That God sees me and as righteous, that God sees me without blemish because of Christ's work on the cross. And and many of us would say, yeah, I've made that and, and I love Jesus. But I wonder, I just want to provoke us for a moment, I wonder if many of us would also say, for me, my Christian walk has kind of started and stopped there. And by that, I mean, yeah, I made a step of faith, but life hasn't really changed that much, albeit I go to church on a Sunday and I might give some finance and I might go to small group and every now and again I pray or I try and serve people around me a bit. But life is kind of the same as many other people who don't know Jesus. I just want to push it a bit further. I, I believe that the church has been incapacitated by the lies of the enemy in these days. 
And I'll come back to that in a moment. I don't want to scare you with that, but I think we are a powerhouse of the presence and power of God. And we've traded that truth for a lie of the enemy. And so for us to go on this journey to understand that Jesus didn't just call you into salvation to say, oh good, I'm saved, I've got eternal life, sin's dealt with, good, done. He said, I've saved you in order that, in order that you may have eternal life, in order that you may know that you, the church, are the means of my kingdom coming and being born on this earth, being not born, but being um, coming to bear on this earth in increasing measure that you, my church, are, my, are the means that I have ordained that my kingdom will come through you, my body. I don't know if you feel like, how are we going to change this world? There's a massive task to do. This we, we know, we know we live in a hurting nation. It's hurting, it's dark, it's sad. It's, it's, gosh, it cuts to the heart, doesn't it? The things we see and hear. And yet God says, my church is the means that I have ordained that my kingdom will come bringing this good news, displaying, demonstrating, empower this good news. And I wonder if many of us have got stuck at the point of salvation. We say, I'm saved. Great. I'm in. Done. And Jesus says, that's a start. That's the entry point into the life I've called you to have. You see, Jesus came and he, he's called us to live a life of adventure seeking his kingdom come. Not merely rocking up to church on a Sunday. Gosh, how boring could that be? And everybody said amen. And, but isn't it true that for many of us, I wonder, we think, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore I better get to church, I better get to small group, I better get a bit of money in the offering basket. And we know truths. We know them, but there's a kind of disconnect between what we read in the Word of God, this living, powerful Word, and our lives. And I believe over this time, as we begin to bang this drum of the kingdom of God, hey, the kingdom of God is amongst you. Hey, the kingdom of God is to come through you and I. Hey, the kingdom of God is going to be hugely costly for us. It's going to require massive moments of sacrifice where some of us will say, hey, God, I'll go, send me. Hey, God, I've got this chunk of money and I kind of have plans for it, but I I know you are kind of asking me to give it into your kingdom for adventure or whatever or whatever. Hey, God, I know that you're asking me just to become foolish for your glory. And I I wonder over this season of pursuing the kingdom of God and learning what this looks like, that God wants to take us from merely knowing things and kind of begrudgingly somewhat saying, okay, we'll do the Christian thing, to understanding that he has called you to be a bringer of his kingdom wherever you are, Whatever you do, and I mean that, whatever you do, God would have you there to be one who the kingdom comes through, to be salt and light, to be a messenger of hope and reconciliation. And not just to say, well, I know the Bible says I'm salt and light, and I'm I'm supposed to somehow, no, no, you are salt and light for a dying and hurting world. And I don't care who you are, what you've done, where you've been, how your week's been this week, that's the truth of God. Is That's how he sees you. Jesus looks at his church and there's this, and he sees it and he goes, this is the hope of the world. Men and women, full of my spirit, emboldened with the message of good news. Why? Because they've already tasted and seen that I'm good. 
Because they know that already this, this resurrection power that raised me from the dead is the same power that's at work within my saint's life, within my body of the church's life. And so we're going to have to learn some things. Not just as head knowledge. And this is where I wonder for us, we need to encounter God in power in the days ahead. Not merely head knowledge, but that it drops into our heart, that it transforms us, that we begin to break out of some of the things we do, some of the ways we think, and we, and we get a sense of God really means what he's spoken for his people. His plans and purposes, he really intends to bring them to bear. And he is looking for willing men, women, young, old, from every ethnicity who say, here I am. Here I am. So these are some of the things we've got to grapple with. And I wonder we need fresh revelation on. I don't mean in the sense of what we believe is necessarily wrong, but it needs to drop from head into heart and into our inner being. But we need to know who God is. I mean, we've gathered to worship God this morning, but by the way, he's the living God. He's, he's living and powerful. He is holding and sustaining all things right now by his word. Whether it be the planets and the massive stars and the, just the wonder of heaven or your life. Or the dust in the air. Or just the fact that you're breathing right now and I'm breathing right now isn't anything other than God is saying life, life, life. And this God we Worship, he's the creator and maker of all things, and he's the sustainer and giver of life. And I just wonder, sometimes we shrink God down, don't we? I mean, I, I know I shrink God down. Can I go, this is who God is. And we have the privilege of gathering together and declaring that, reminding one another, hey, remember who God is, church. I just wonder we need fresh revelation of him. I really believe that one of the things we need fresh revelation on And that God wants to do through this, that's going to be key for us, is not merely that he sometimes does good things to us. That he sometimes has a moment of kindness. And um, Jude, my second son, he he came up to me the other day, just random. I walked through the door and he said, have some money to go and buy some sweets. And I had a moment of niceness. Like, of course you can. I never do that. No. (laughs) Earn it. (laughs) But I'm like, I sometimes think we think God's a bit like that. Like, well, he doesn't often do good things for me. Sometimes he does good things for me. And maybe we kind of measure it by how life is going, whether it's good or bad. And, and if life is good, then we associate that God is good. And sometimes when life takes a turn, we don't want, not always, of course not. But I wonder if we need a fresh revelation of the goodness of God, that he is inherently good. And that all he does is good, good, good. And we need our expectation of the goodness and kindness of God to be lifted in these days. This is not, this is not complicated stuff. This is simple stuff that we're going to be walking into in these days. Hey, God is in control. He is awesome in power. And he is a God who is good. We need fresh revelation of who God says we are, our identity in Christ. And this is where I think the church has been robbed by lies of the enemy. I think we've traded the truth of God's word for lies. And I believe that God wants to restore a fresh understanding of who we are in him. Not just as a nice truth we say every now and again, but 
right into our inner being, I am a child of God. And everything that goes with being a child of God. We need fresh revelation of of what it is that we carry. What it is that God has commissioned us with. the, the, The mandate that he's given us as his people to say, hey, the kingdom's come to you and it's going to go through you. And I've empowered you for this. I believe we need a fresh revelation of that. If we're going to see the kingdom come through us, then we need to understand what it is that is within us. And I say that because I I just wonder that for many of us, this issue of, well, I'm I'm kind of through the door of salvation, if you like. But there's, it's almost like a, there's no power. We've been given the power of God. And I believe that God wants to bring fresh revelation to us that, as I said earlier, wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever your sphere of influence is, no matter how big or small you think it is, that God's purpose in and through you is that you would be one who the kingdom comes through. Whom, sorry, the kingdom comes through. Amen? Amen. I, I think we've got some transformed thinking that needs to happen. Some renewed thinking that transforms our lies in the days ahead. I'm just going to um, share one story from the West just a couple of weeks ago. And then, if you, are you at Luke 4 already? Good. Um, then we're going to read Luke, well, 3 and 4. So a couple of weeks ago, when Nigel was preaching and he was talking about that question of expectation and, and what are you expecting of your walk with Jesus? And at the end, he gave an opportunity for people to respond and a whole number of people responded and, la- and were prayed for. And then last week, um, during the time of worship, Nick just said, Nick Bakari, one of the elders in the West, he said, I just wonder if anybody here has a story of what God's done in their life who was prayed for last week. So last week, a whole number of people were prayed for. Has anybody got a story they'd like to share? And two people, a guy called Tim and a lady called Jocelyn, got up and shared their story. And Tim's story, just to cut a long story short, was basically this. I, I haven't really been walking. I've kind of done that thing. I'm, I'm through the door of, of salvation, but I haven't really been walking with Jesus. I haven't really been expecting anything. And I know, I know life has just been a bit dull in terms of faith. And he said, I just I felt God invited me to put him back at the center of my life this morning. And so he said, I did that. And I came and I responded and I was prayed for. And the thing that I found so encouraging about his story is he said, I was prayed, I responded to God, I was prayed for, and then I went and did something about it. He said, for him, I got up the next morning early. I decided I'm going to put Jesus in the center of my life. And for me right now, it looks like getting up and giving him the first part of my day. And that doesn't sound very exciting in and of itself. He said, but that's all I did. And then God comes and he begins to encounter me as I put him at the center of my life. As I respond to the prompting of the Spirit, God comes and he said, and I found that this week I was less impatient with my wife. Not only was I less impatient, but I began to speak to her with more grace and less harshness. And he said, I just want to thank God for that. I wasn't intending to speak to my life, wife, life, my wife with more grace and less harshness, but it's a result of giving myself to God. He came and he's blessed our marriage. And how exciting is that? Hey, I respond to the spirit and God's kingdom begins to become more evident in life. I think that's the kingdom coming. That's the kingdom coming. Hey, I'm going to pursue Jesus. I'm not just saying I'm in. I'm going to say I'm after you. 
And then the kingdom comes and blesses life and blesses his marriage. And I just imagine how many wives were sat next to their husband and go, you should get up early too. <laughs> anyway, and then the lady Jocelyn said, she said, um, it was a similar story. She's like, I, I was walking with Jesus. I love to sing. I love, I love worshiping. She said, God's gifted me with a, a voice to sing. And, um, and she said, but just where life's been, I just haven't walked with Jesus over the past season. She said, I just knew that, like, it's almost like there was a sadness that I wasn't singing, and I just knew I need to put Jesus in the center of everything again. And, and she said, I made that decision. I woke up the next morning, and God put a new song in my heart. That's the kingdom of God coming. And not only that, you think, gosh, somebody who's got more grace and, and kind words and less harsh... I'm sure that extends beyond just a marriage, but imagine a marriage that becomes fruitful because suddenly the kingdom of God is taking off and, and that's good news. It's good news for the workplace. It's good news for friends. It's good news for family. It's good news for the marriage, for goodness sake. Or somebody who says, I, I've got a new song in my heart. That kind of person is good news to their neighbor. It's good news to those who are without hope in darkness and hurting. Hey, how comes you're someone who has joy? When everything is falling down around and it's crumbling and society's in a mess and all of that, how comes you've got joy and peace and a, and a song in your heart? Hey, it's because God is good. It's because he loves me. Our key in these days is to grow in our understanding, as we said, of who God is, how good he is, and who we are in him and what we carry. And to start with, I want to, just for a couple of minutes, um, look at Luke chapter 4, or 3 and 4. Um, over these coming weeks, we're going to go through the, the scripture that Jesus reads from the prophet Isaiah. So Jesus, in Luke 4, reads from Isaiah 61, and we'll come to that in a moment. And over the coming weeks, we're going to go through that, because that really is Jesus' mandate of who he is as Messiah, the anointed one who's come to rescue God's people and broken people and people in darkness and oppression and this, that and the other. We're going to engage and go, look, this is what Jesus, the king who is the true king, has promised his mission is. And we've heard loads, haven't we, in these days about um, manifestos and mandates and promises of leaders. And I'm not trying to beat up politicians by saying this, but when we hear them saying that, we kind of think like, yeah, heard that one before. Well, you might promise that, but I don't think any of it's going to get through. And we're very skeptical when it comes to manifestos of leaders. Yet Jesus, even before he started his earthly ministry, as we'll see in a moment, he spoke his manifesto and he said, today in your hearing, this has been fulfilled. Jesus, he knew who he was, he knew whose he was, and he knew what he carried. I sometimes think we think of Jesus as just this guy who, who operated as God in everything he did. He, he is fully God and fully man. Yet as we see in a moment, Jesus knew his father. He knew that he was a son. And he knew what he carried. And as you read through this section of Luke and the Gospels, it seems to me that this was one of the most important things in the life of Jesus, was his sonship. 
just quickly start in chapter 3 at verse 21. This is a point at the start of Jesus suddenly beginning to appear on the scene publicly. And it says this, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, to identify with us. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and it said this, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. So here's what's going on. Jesus has just got baptized. And the Father's voice from heaven says, Jesus, you are my son, whom I love, and I am well pleased with you. Heaven declares over Jesus whose son he really is. If you went to Jesus' village, Nazareth, where he grew up, and you said to somebody, hey, that guy over there, Jesus, who's his father? They would have said, well, his father's Joseph. But heaven says, no, he was my son. He's the one and only begotten son of the father. And then just under that, we're not going to read through it, but you see this, this um, lineage of Jesus, this genealogy of Jesus' heritage. And it's a different kind of genealogy to that in Matthew's gospel. And you read through that just after people saying, just after it says people thought he was the son of Joseph. And you come right down to the root and it says, Jesus is the son of God. He was the son of God, no less. We believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. He's the son of God. And then, into verse 4, chapter 4, sorry, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, you don't say. He's just had this moment when heaven speaks over, over him and the, and the Spirit descended upon him in bodily form. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. I just want to ask you this for a moment. Do you ever think of Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit? Or do you just think it just somehow worked for him? He was full of the Holy Spirit. Left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Again, you don't say. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus has just had this incredible encounter with his father, this affirmation of the father, the spirit descending upon him and filling him. We literally just read that. Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. And then what happens? Satan comes and challenges him on his identity. Comes and says, if you're really a son of God, hey, if you're really a son of God, do this. And I wonder if for uh, the local church, and maybe for the church in the Western world, maybe for the church here in Swindon, maybe for us, Gateway Church, maybe in our life, we kind of know this truth of I'm a son or a daughter of the living God. He is my heavenly father, but we've exchanged that truth for a lie. We kind of know it in our heart, but not in a way 
that has dropped, sorry, not in our head, but maybe not in a way that's dropped into our heart that brings transformation in life in the way that it kind of seems like the scriptures point to that it should. Our, our hunger and, and desire, our expectation is kind of like, well, wouldn't it, I think we all kind of think this, wouldn't it be amazing if the kingdom just broke out? Everywhere we went, and we were able to pray with the broken, pray with the lost, pray with the hurting, pray for those who are sick, tell good news, be messengers of hope, speak a different kind of message to those around us. Then our politicians, this, they're all a bunch of rubbish. They say, no, we want to honor them and uphold them and thank God that we have men and women who want to serve our country and that there's a different spirit in the people of God. I think we're hungry for that. But I wonder if, I wonder if we've kind of exchanged this truth of God because what's true of Jesus is true of you. And the father says over Jesus, you're my son, I love you, and in you I am well pleased. Follower of Jesus here today, he is your father. And you are his daughter or his son. And he loves you, and in you he is well pleased. Forget what's happened this week. Don't think, yeah, but it's truth. It's what God has spoken over you. God so loved you that he sent his son, Jesus. He loves you. It's it's not even a question, but what about he loves you? He is inherently good and he is inherently loving. That is his very nature. And he is your heavenly father. And in spite of whatever you think of yourself, in spite of what your view is of yourself, God himself, maker of heaven and earth, giver of life, has chosen to love you. I wonder if many of us hear that and say, well, I know that's true. And as we go saying, God, your kingdom come, unless we get a fresh revelation of that and a fresh encounter, we're going to be stuck. Isn't it amazing that right at the start of Jesus' ministry was an encounter with his father being filled with the Spirit? Jesus is fully man and God no less. Yet a revelation of his father's love and affirmation over him and being filled with the Spirit. Let's just read through from verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. In the power of the Spirit. Not Jesus returned to Galilee and went to a meeting where the Spirit was used for one or two contributions. Or just to make the meeting feel a bit nicer. Oh, it sort of felt like God was there today. No, no, no. Where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, God is there. And where people have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, His Spirit lives within them. And it's not just, okay, it's the power of God. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. What kind of power? The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that lives and breathes and have its being in you and I. 
He was teaching in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Jesus was a devout follower of God, a devout worshiper of his father, and he had no problem going to the synagogue week after week. In that sense, he was religious in the good sense of the word. And on this particular Saturday, he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And Jesus searched through the scroll for a particular place, Isaiah 61. He unrolled it and he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I am the Messiah. I am the rescuer. Not not merely from Rome and political powers. That's not the issue. But from the power of sin. From the power of death. From those who are poor and broken spiritually, physically. From those who are blind. From those who are captive to sin and death. I am the Messiah. I have come to rescue a people for myself. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. And we know, no way. Jesus knew, no way. I mean, he's my earthly adopted dad, but I am a son of God. I am the Son of God. And from that moment on, Jesus began telling people the kingdom of God is among you. We live in a time when this nation, and not, no more than any other time, but boy does this nation need men and women who know whom they are and whose they are. And I wonder what's happened is we, we hear that God is our Father and that He loves us. But then we hear the lies of the enemy come. And somehow the enemy has managed to immobilize the people of God. He's very good at what he does. The Bible says he's an accuser. He only, when he speaks, he only speaks untruth. He only speaks lies. And so God says, I love you. The enemy says, no, he doesn't. If he did love you, life would look very different. He wouldn't let you go go through that circumstance year after year, even decade after decade, month after month, whatever. If he really loved you, he'd show you his goodness, surely. Hey, God has good plans and purposes for you, the Bible says. No, no, he doesn't. If he had good plans and purposes, he would have made that clear to you years ago. And look at you, you're still stuck in this dead-end job. Where your boss hates you and you hate your boss and 
God says he will give you everything that you need. He knows precisely what you need. No, he doesn't. Because you're struggling to even make ends meet this month. And, and surely if God loved you, he'd give you more than enough that that wouldn't be an issue. Listen, we have been sold a lie by the enemy. And I wonder if the church has been immobilized because we believe it over the promises of God so often. This is full of God's truth, his plan, his purposes of whom he is and who he is and what he's doing and who you are and who I am and how he sees you and what he's done in life. And we are to say, it is written and that should be good enough. And then when we struggle with it, we go, God, help my thinking, help my heart to be aligned with your truth. God's plan and purpose for you and for I is that his kingdom will come through us. And so I just want to pray for a moment. We are out of time. Can we stand? I just, I want us to be able to respond even, even in these couple of minutes. And we, we have more time over the next few weeks. But just to spend more time in this. But I feel like this is not just merely an issue of, okay, I grow in these things. Sure, we grow in maturity and faith as we follow Jesus, but right now today, I believe that this is a, a decision moment. That Jesus is inviting us to make a fresh decision. To believe what he has said of us is true in spite of how we feel, what's going on in life. Because his purpose is for you and for I is that his kingdom will come through you and that we would know this power of God at work within us. He's called us to turn this world upside down. And he's looking at his church and he said, you're my body. It's through you, my people. And many of us have said, I couldn't possibly do the things that Jesus has asked us to do. I struggle to speak to people about faith. I struggle to get the courage to pray for somebody. I kind of long to. Jesus has called you to an adventure of faith. And in the same way that you first believed, by placing your faith in Jesus, I want to invite you to place your faith in him afresh, that, that these truths would be, uh, begin to sink afresh into our heart, this issue of sonship, that he is a good father. We have incredible privilege as the children of God. Incredible access to the Father. That whoever you are and whatever your background is and whatever you've done, no matter how big and messy you think it is, God has a plan and a purpose for you. And this morning, he says, I want you to know that I am your Father. I want, I want to start there. I want to start there. I want to, I'm speaking over you, follower of my son, Jesus Christ, that I love you. I'm your father. You're my son, my daughter, and I am well pleased with you. I delight in you. I treasure you. I boast in you. I hold you up and say, look, a trophy of my grace. And so, Father, we, we thank you that you are a good God. 
We thank you that you're a God full of kindness and love and goodness. And that's, it's not that occasionally you demonstrate that to us. That is who you are. And Jesus, we thank you that you knew your identity as a son of the Father, full of the Holy Spirit, and that you knew your mission was to rescue broken people, people far from God, people living in darkness, people who are bound up, oppressed, locked up, sick, dying without hope. And you said, this is what my Father has called me to do. This is my mandate, and it is done. It is fulfilled today because I am here and I have come and I know who I am and whose I am. And today, from here on out, history changes. And Jesus, we thank you that you are our older brother and you lived the life. You modeled life for us. You modeled the life that we're to live now that we are in you and we have that same power at work within us. We, listen, guys, I think we've kind of gone, well, Jesus did it. And, we've, and I think many of us kind of go, well, yeah, when Jesus was talking about you'll do these things and even greater and we jump to salvation. And of course, of course, the greatest thing is salvation. But Jesus also meant you'll cast out demons. He also meant you'll see the sick healed. He also meant you'll, you'll see people set free from every kind of situation. You'll see communities turned around. Yeah. He meant all of it. Yeah. Because salvation is the direction of travel. God is making all things new. And it's a foretaste of heaven. And I tell you, I believe this right now. That, that whoever says, God, here I am. I'll trust you. I'll trust that you're my father, that you love me and that you have a plan and purpose for me. I believe that God will get hold of a life like that. And it might even start with small things tomorrow. Yes. You just follow a small prompting of the spirit and just say, you might say to somebody, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. Hey, can I pray for that? It might even come down to the way that tomorrow you, you fill out a claim form. A benefits form. Hey, how many miles did you really travel to that place? These are kingdom issues. And as you live faithfulness and true, knowing, hey, I don't, need to, I don't need to fiddle stuff. I don't need to try and make life work for me. God's got my life as I learn to seek first his kingdom. And when there's lives lived like that, like Tim last week saying, I know I need to put Jesus in the center of my life. God comes and he blesses. Yes. And he blessed not only Tim, but Tim's wife, Helen, as well. Jesus knew who he was. And as he encountered the father saying, you're my son, and the spirit saying, power. Hey, how many people got blessed? And the same is true for his church. God, help us to get this from our heads into our hearts. Amen. Lord, help us to have confidence, not in us. We, Lord, we're useless in and of ourselves, but we say, but your power at work in us, your spirit breathing life into us, helping us get hold of these truths and saying, but it's written. I'm not going to believe the lies of the enemy that says, oh, it's, God's not really, you'll step out and you'll look like an idiot. God's not going to heal them. Well, you might step out, you might look like an idiot, but God will be glorified through your obedience. And we're going to have to learn. We're going to have to learn how to do this stuff. And it's going to take months and years. And it's not that it's difficult. I, I just want to say this to you, guys, that I don't believe this is to be difficult. This is to be easy because it's the normal Christian life for everyone who is a follower of Jesus. This isn't a weird out there thing. This is normal. This is what the people of Christ should look like, that we turn this world upside down, that we're trouble. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit. Reveal these truths deep to us afresh today. We pray, we pray, come and have your way amongst us. Open our eyes to see. Give us faith to claim these truths and to believe them. I just want, I just want to, we finish right now, but just under your, in your heart, under your breath, say, 
You are my father and I am your child. Come on, let's declare it true. We've got to get good at declaring truth, church. We've got to get good. This is not for some superstar Christians who've worked out the secret thing you have to do to, to see the kingdom come around. This is for every one of us. And so we pray, our Father in heaven, your name be glorified as we worship you, as we live with you as our Father. We say, be glorified, Heavenly Father. And may your kingdom come and your will be done in our life. May your kingdom break out through our lives, even this afternoon. May it be good for marriages and families and for bank accounts and for faithfulness and and for society and our streets and neighbors and wider family, for our colleagues. Lord, we pray today may be one of those moments, Lord, when you grab hold of us afresh and say, my word is true and I really do mean I love you. Now go and shed this love on a dying and hurting world. And so we bless your name this morning, Heavenly Father. We say you are good and you are God. Help us to believe it. Help our unbelief. I pray that even in the weeks ahead, there'll be stories saying, I I stepped out and enacted that truth by proving God's faithfulness. And so we bless your name this morning. We bless one another in your mighty name. For your glory, we pray this. For our joy. For our joy. I won't say it, just very, very quickly. A bit later in Luke 10, Jesus sends out the 72 and they, they, get, they cast out all these demons and they're amazed at this. And it says they return full of joy. Why? Because the kingdom had happened around them and through them. And Jesus says to them, don't be, don't be amazed at that. Be amazed that your names are in the book of life. That your name says, God is your father. And so we bless your mighty name this morning. Amen.